0: Welcome back to Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour. I'm Tim Takis and on today's show we're talking about advanced directives.
1: And I'm Barbara McGinnis. To conclude this episode, we're going to be talking with a nurse practitioner from hospice and how does advanced directives change once you're on hospice care. Welcome Jennifer Kennedy from High Point Hospice. Thank you. So Jennifer, how do uh, advanced directives change when someone is now in enrolled in hospice services. Okay, So hospice is intended for people who have a life
2: limiting illness that we think that you know we're going to be in those last few months of life and so goals change as you approach hospice care so when you filled out your advanced care plan with your physician ten years ago you may not have had this illness that you have now so when you go on hospice, a lot of times, people want more of a comfort-minded approach, so some of those things that are on your advanced care plan shift to more of a comfort-minded, maybe you wanted CPR then, don't want CPR now, and it's all based on where you are now with your illness and what you want when you become a hospice patient.
0: So when you're a, when you're a hospice patient, um, what forms are available, or how do you determine what that person thinks about a quality of life?
2: So there are several different forms. One form that we always go through with our hospice patients is the post form that you guys spoke about earlier, the physician order for scope of treatment. Mm-hmm. And it's going to outline what you want about CPR, do you want CPR or do not are you wanting comfort measures so keep you comfortable where you are not go back to the hospital for aggressive treatment it's going to outline what you want about IV fluids and tube feedings and it really serves as a guide for the hospice team moving forward so we always go through that one there's also a form called five wishes which Mm -hmm. is a um, advanced directive Mm -hmm. that you can fill out with your doctor or, you know, with your provider. And it outlines, you know, what you want in greater detail in that form. And you can outline where you want to be and what you want and what music is there and all Mm -hmm. those things.
1: So you can kind of go into more detail in those. Do you actually help people think through some of those details and document them for the team?
2: Yes, absolutely. Every time we meet a new hospice patient and family, we go through that post form to talk about the risk and benefit of CPR and Mm -hmm. the risk and benefit of tube feedings. Because like you guys talked about earlier, a young man who's been in an accident who may be able to recover, tube feedings absolutely can make sense in that situation. But at the end of life, they can start to do more harm than good. So it really is education for the patient and family and teaching you. If, if you don't work in the medical field, you don't know about right. how these things would help you and not help you. And we do help you go through those forms, the the beginning of hospice to help educate you and help you know what makes sense and what doesn't. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. assume
0: that you help the families also with those forms? Yes. So it's a, like a shared...
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we view our patient's family as part of our team, and the patient and the family is definitely part of the hospice team. And so that family needs to feel supported and heard and that they've been part of this. So that also when the patient declines and they become you know, less responsive and can't really help us, you know, make decisions. The family's been there and they've heard what the patient wants, and then they're able to help support
1: that patient's wishes moving forward. Yeah. Well, personally, uh, when someone is in that position that's dying, symptom management is is very important for that person. Mm -hmm. But for the family members that are there watching that decline and seeing new symptoms, Hospice provides a lot of reassurance that they're doing, they're making good decisions Mm -hmm. and can interpret and explain what that person is feeling or not feeling, at at least to the best of our medical knowledge, what we know.
0: so you have a patient that's elected hospice and then maybe the patient uh, subsequently becomes unresponsive.
2: Mm-hmm. Can
0: the family take them off a of hospice, like the healthcare agent?
2: So a lot of times when people want to pursue those routes, it's because they kind of get nervous, they panic, you know, I mean, mama's changing and I'm scared. And so we definitely try to educate you. Is it is it something that the patients family is not understanding is it you know something that we really can have a conversation about and mm-hmm. then you know it kind of relaxes the situation and we're sticking with you know your parents or loved ones goals because if it's written on that advanced directive we want to stick with what the advanced directive said if the patient was the one that signed it mm-hmm. um, but if it gets to be complicated I mean we don't stand in the way of the family we involve the ethics team with our group at Sumner Regional and have them kind of help us guide through what's ethical appropriate you know so the
0: short a, answer is yes yeah if a healthcare agent says I think we we, we should take daddy right. off a of hospice
2: right we they can they, they can, can. Yes.
0: not necessarily a, you may not think it's a good idea and maybe right. it's not a good idea right but
2: right they we, can. we think
0: about that as patient autonomy
1: yeah <laughs> which
0: I think you know that's also the ethical thing too right even yes. though you don't yeah. agree
1: yeah but if they change their mind they right. do, mm-hmm. uh, disenroll from a hospice benefit mm-hmm. They always change your mind again and come back. They can.
2: And a lot of it is um, sometimes you may not have had treatment options for your terminal illness when you sign on to hospice, but then further down the road a new treatment comes out, your doctor tells you about it, and you want to try it. And you are right. welcome to you know, step away from hospice at that point and pursue
1: that treatment if you want and come back when you're ready.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Forms change, perhaps when we're when we're going into hospice. Uh, goals change. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Conversations need to change too. Right. right. And everybody needs. What to if there's them.
0: conflict? Um, let's say if one family member wants to do this. I guess you're relying on the healthcare agent. That we point. are.
2: They're the person that the patient has identified as the person that they trust, and so their healthcare agent's going to be that person that we go to. That's the person you're looking mm-hmm. for.
0: Great. Okay, well, thanks. I think
1: that's that's really a great takeaway point. That that right. may be the ultimately the best part, the most important role of that designated agent.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's put your All contact right. information up. All we've right. just got a few seconds left.
1: Yeah. We want to thank Jennifer for yeah. being here. Thank you.
0: All right. And for more information about the organizations and resources that we featured today on this segment about advanced directives, visit our website and click on the News Hour tab. Yeah. Be sure to tune in again for more candid conversation about the issues that arise with aging, disability, and unexpected illness. Thanks for visiting, stay with us.